This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as a part of the 2020 Virtual Leadership Project. For more information on VLP and Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Good to see all those faces out there, everybody. Well, my name's Reed. I realized last week when we did the introduction meeting, I didn't really give a formal introduction. There's a lot of faces out there. I know maybe half to three quarters of you guys, but some of you might be like, who is this guy up there? And some of you guys know, and some of you guys need to shave mustaches as well. It's another conversation. Uh, my name is Reed Jillick. I'm on staff with Campus Outreach. This is my 10th year on staff with Campus Outreach. Um, I'm married to my wife. Her name is Nikki. Hopefully you guys will get to see her at some point this summer. Um, she's awesome. And actually this year in April, we'll be celebrating our 10 year wedding anniversary. So we got a big one coming up. We have a almost two year old daughter named Eden. She's super cute right now and also into everything. And I'm gonna play a little audio from her later. So get ready for it. Um, we also, my wife Nikki, she's pregnant right now. And we have a baby boy due in about 45 days. So we're really excited for that. So adding to the family and we'll have two. So just a little bit about me. Um, also, uh, so basically I graduated from the University of Northwestern St. Paul before it was actually that long of a name. It was just Northwestern. Um, so I know some of you guys out there are from there. Um, I would say I grew up in a culture culturally Christian home. But um, when I got to college, I actually would say that's when I became a believer. I became saved with the gospel. Some of what Billy was just sharing, um, a guy started studying the Bible with me. And for the first time in my life, the Bible came alive. Um, and so that was kind of just a glimpse of my story in college. And I wasn't initially coming into college thinking, let's do college ministry. And now here I am 10 years later, because of God's grace in my life. So just a little bit about me. Hopefully I can fill you guys in more as I get to see you and spend time with you. Um, once again, welcome. Really glad you're here. I just want to give a quick uh, idea of where we're going to go tonight, and then we'll pray and we'll kind of dive in. Um, so tonight, what I really want to try to do, the aim of tonight is I want to unpack our theme, Fulfilled. So I really want to give a zoomed out view of where we're trying to go this summer. So when we say fulfilled, what do we mean? And what are we going to try to like dive into as the summer progresses? So that's kind of what we're going to try to accomplish during this time. So hopefully uh, most of you guys are out there. If you have your notebook, there is a, a section where you can start journaling different things and get your fulfilled sticker on there, rock the shirt, whatever you need to do. But uh, let me pray and then, then we'll dive in. God, it's actually crazy to think um, that we can meet. We have the technology to do what we're doing right now. And God, I'm thankful that even some of this room can be together and, and those that can't can still participate. So God, would you meet us during this time? Would we see more of you and who you are tonight and this summer? We pray and ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So for those of you, I know some of you are a little bit more type A and you want to know where we're going. Some of you are like, I don't really care. Let's just do this thing. But uh, I have three main points today. And the first one is this. Um, well, I guess before I get to my main points, uh, I, I want to just share a little bit our theme versus summer. So it comes from Acts 318. 
if you guys have your notebook, you'll see this page. And it says this, but what God foretold by the mouth of the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. So really, when we think about our theme verse for the summer, it's kind of a summary statement of where we're trying to go. So Acts 3.18 doesn't perfectly get at it, but it's the shortest, most concise way to talk about what we're trying to do this summer. So maybe uh, zooming out a little bit more, every four or five years when it comes to uh, what we're doing in the summer, we like to do kind of a big picture approach to the Bible. So it's what some people call progressive revelation or biblical theology. We like to work from kind of Genesis to Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament, that you would see more of Jesus. So typically with the summer training project or our summer program, we're working through one book the entire summer. And again, once every four or five years, we're really trying to take a broader lens to the Bible. So that's what we're trying to do this year. If what I just said made no sense, we're going to unpack it more this summer. So if I use two big words, I get it. I didn't know any of them in college. So you're in good company. Like I said last week, I, yeah, I'm not going to make fun of myself anymore. But um, so, uh, so let's start just by defining the term. So when we say fulfilled, what do we mean? What does the Bible mean when it says fulfilled? Um, so just like a classic, if you go to like dictionary.com and you look up words, it's always funny to me when they use like the word to define the word. But when you think about the word fulfilled, um, it actually makes sense that they use the words in the word to define the word. And this is what I mean. Um, basically, the idea of fulfilled is to make full, which literally means to fill to the full. So if you kind of flip fulfilled, fill to the full is kind of the idea of fulfilled. So if you think or picture like a cup and you're filling it to the brim, that's kind of the idea of the word fulfilled. And yet often when we use the word fulfilled, that's not exactly what we mean. Uh, I'm kind of in the middle of like a kitchen reno project at my house. And I wouldn't say like I'm filling up to the brim. I would say I'm accomplishing it. I'm completing it. So there's another way in which we say the word fulfilled in which we really are trying to communicate, I'm completing something, I'm finishing it, I'm accomplishing it. So both of those ways are used in how the Bible defines the word fulfilled. And we're going to define it more as we go throughout the summer. But just to kind of give you like a broad working definition, the Bible talks about it in multiple different ways, but those are the main two, kind of to fill up or complete or accomplish. So hopefully that just gives you a little bit more familiarity with where we're going this summer. So back to like our main points. I have three main points where we want to go. I also have a, I think a video clip or an audio clip for almost every point to hopefully try to keep you guys engaged and dialed in. I know it's weird to be watching over a phone or computer, but I'll try to keep it short, try to be a little bit engaging. So stick with me here. So the first point, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of scripture. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of scripture. So if you have your Bible right now, I'd invite you guys or your phone Turn to Luke 24. Luke 24, we're going to put a slide up, but there's going to be a lot of words on the slide. If that's helpful, great. Um, I'm going to read 13 through 27, and we're going to spend probably the majority of the time in the Bible on this point, although I'm going to reference lots of other scriptures. So um, so if you have your phone, we're in Luke 24, 13 through 27. Maybe a, a little bit of context before I read it. So this is the gospel according to Luke. So we're at the end of the gospel account, and Jesus actually has just been resurrected from the dead. So this is one of Jesus' first interactions with people. 
post-resurrection, and it's actually an incredible interaction. So just look at this interaction that Jesus has. We'll read it together. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And as they stood looking sad, one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what's happened? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people, and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all of this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some who were with us went with him to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he spoke to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? In beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So I realize uh, it's a little bit longer passage. So I want to try to summarize it real quick. And then we're going to look at it in a little bit more depth. Um, but again, Jesus is resurrected and he joins these two guys. Um, actually, we don't know if they're both guys. We only know one of them. So it could have been a husband, wife. We just don't know who the second person was. One of them is named and they have a seven mile walk. So you can just picture with yourself, if you were going to go on a seven mile walk with Jesus, like what would you discuss? Now the catch is they didn't know it was Jesus till the very end of the story. And we actually didn't get to that part, but if you just think, if I was on a seven-mile walk with Jesus, like, what would I ask him? Like, is it true that all dogs go to heaven? Like, I need to know. Um, I'm just kidding. You probably wouldn't ask that. But we know the reality for cats. They don't go to heaven. I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm a dog person. Some of you like that. Some of you don't. Um, I would actually probably want Jesus to talk a little bit about help me understand the book of Revelation. Like, not quite sure how to interpret it. What do we think about this book? So, I'd have a ton of questions for him, but just think uh, about a two-hour two conversation with Jesus where you could pick his brain. Now, again, I don't know at what point Jesus finally revealed himself, but as they start out walking, they're like, you really don't know what's happened? It would be the equivalent of someone stepping into Minneapolis with what's happened the last two weeks and have zero idea what's taking place around Lake Street with George Floyd. Like, it's like mind-blowing that this person wouldn't know what's going on. So Jesus is clearly kind of playing the role of not knowing what's going on. And then he finally speaks. Um, and when he speaks in verse 27, this is what we're going to spend most of our time on. But this is what he says again in verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So this is... Kind of one of those passages you're like, you, can, you kind of need to orient yourself a little bit because, again, this is written and recorded in the book of Luke. 
But the reality is at this point, the Bible wasn't put together like we know it. So when Jesus is referring to the scriptures here, he primarily means the Old Testament. So the whole Bible wasn't put together, again, like we have in front of us. So when Jesus says he interpreted to them uh, Moses and the prophets, he's talking about like the first five books of the Bible. Like if any of you out there have read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then the prophets, like you normally don't think like these are the books that describe Jesus. You would think, oh yeah, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after that, kind of the epistles kind of look back to who Jesus is. But you definitely wouldn't think the Old Testament. And what Jesus does is he says that the entire Bible is actually about me. I am the main point of the Bible, which is just crazy to think about. Um, and in another place, um, in John 5, 39 to 40, Jesus has a similar idea here. He's with the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them there is life. Yet it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So again, Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. These were the religious leaders of the time. So these would be, for most of the scribes or at least the Pharisees, they would have had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Again, not the most like uh, exciting books of the Bible. And they had line by line memorized. And Jesus is saying, you're missing the point. The point of even those books is me. Don't miss it. The point is me. Jesus is correcting the religious elite, which is just wild to think about. Um, so when you think about the Bible, it's 66 individual books, but there's really one theme and one thread throughout the whole book, and that is Jesus. This is like your classic Sunday school answer, like, what is the answer to this question? Jesus. And the answer to what is the Bible about mainly, it's about Jesus. Um, so the, the thing that we're going to do this summer is we're going to spend a lot more time diving into what does that actually mean? Because it's easy to say on one hand, like the entire Bible is actually about Jesus, but we want to unpack that and nuance it in a little bit more depth. Because if I, if I had to say to a lot of you, what is the point of the Bible? I think a lot of you would give an answer close to what I just said, Jesus or something like that. Hopefully you would. And if you didn't, that's totally fine. If you're new to the Bible, totally fine. But, um, but then if I had to ask you to explain it, and if I had to ask you, like, how does the Old Testament actually connect to Jesus? How do you explain books of the Bible that don't even mention Jesus? What do you mean that's about Jesus? And that's what we're going to walk through the rest of the summer. And uh, so what I want to do actually right here, I, I want to show you guys a clip that, that helps with this idea and builds upon the idea that Jesus is in all of Scripture. So take a look at this video, and then we'll come back. Hopefully that video helped you a little bit more, but... Again, this is what we're trying to do this summer. We're going to connect those ideas for you in greater detail. And every week, we're going to look at one of those ideas and see it from the Old Testament all the way to the fulfillment in the New Testament. So for some of you on this call, you might be like, I have literally never heard this before. When I was in your shoes in college, I was like, I wish someone would have told me that like all these things in the Old Testament actually point and lead to Jesus. I just thought they were good stories that... Um, I didn't see all the connections, and our hope is this summer that you're going to see in greater detail the Bible come alive as you see Jesus on every page of the Scripture. So with that said, I would just encourage you that um, we really want you to take advantage of studying the Bible this summer. So staff and team leaders and others, we want you guys to study the Bible with each other. So today was actually the first day in the plan, and if you haven't read it yet, 
I'd encourage you to dive in. And again, this is what we want to do this summer is make these connections so you can see more and more the greatness of Jesus. And hopefully that video kind of helped illustrate it again in like a cliff notes form, but we're going to dive even deeper into some of those things. So, so that's the, the first point is Jesus is the fulfillment of all of scripture. The second point is Jesus is the only thing that can fulfill us. Jesus is the only thing that can fulfill us. So if any of you guys are like me during COVID, uh, there have been some good things, some challenging things, um, and everything in between. But one of the things that's been really clear during this season over the past two months, I have clearly seen idols in my life, areas in my life that I've been trusting in other than Christ. Uh, so I, want, I just want to give you guys a few examples, and then we're going to go and look at how Jesus um, fulfills us. And we're going to go to some unbelievable passages that I hope you guys love as much as me. Um, so a couple of things during COVID that, that I've really seen in my heart. Um, it's incredibly hard for me to slow down. For those of you that know me, I'm kind of like a go, go, go person. I love, be, especially I love being around people. And the idea of slowing down and having to, um, in, as, as much as all of us maybe wanted to have everything normal, the new normal wasn't normal. It was a slower pace. It was a different pace. It was um, the same kind of thing in front of your phone or your computer. And I realized even behind this slowing down that um, it revealed my idol of control. Like I want things when I want them. Like I want things to happen on my schedule. And yet so many things of COVID were outside of my control. Like even if I wanted to control them, I couldn't. So initially it was pretty hard for me to slow down. Initially it was just hard for me to like, sit on my couch more. And then I, I would say like, I went from like the slowing down phase to maybe like the hyper slowing down phase, maybe like the lazy phase, like couch potato phase where binge watching Netflix, like I see you guys nodding. So, you know, I know, you know what I'm talking about, but at some point during everything that was happening with COVID, I, I switched to kind of like social media news and entertainment. And that just kind of became consuming. Like um, at points during this whole thing, it was like, a lot easier to turn on a show on Netflix and to want to open up my Bible and want to pray. And even like the last couple of weeks, it's been a lot easier to, to read what people are saying online and social media and, and want to get the latest and greatest stories in the news that are happening with George Floyd and all of these different things in Minneapolis. Um, and again, rather than going to the Lord, and I, I've seen my heart in that, that it's easier to want to go towards those things. And those things don't fulfill me. And it's not even... Um, just I've noticed like all these bad things I went to, but there are good things you can run to that still aren't meant to satisfy you. And this is what I mean. Um, so I have a, again, almost two-year-old daughter named Eden. And one of the blessings of this season is that we've gotten a lot more family time. Um, and at the same time, Eden wasn't meant to satisfy me. Eden wasn't meant to fulfill me. The same is true with Nikki. Like I love my wife, but she wasn't meant to satisfy me. Um, we've been able to have way more family meals. We've been able to go on walks. We've been able to um, enjoy time together. And at the same time, those things still aren't enough. So it's not just like these bad things that we've seen during this season that we just need to avoid, but there could be even good things or neutral things in your life that still aren't going to do it. Um, before I move on, I, I do want to show you guys, this is like a little bit of a dad brag, but also kind of embarrassing. Um, I have a quick audio clip of... Um, my little girl, Eden. So she was actually taking a bath. That's why this is audio clip. Listen.
Shake, shake. Shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, 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 shake. Shake, yo. Shake, 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 she can sing shake your booty so if you want to laugh and in an uncomfortable setting you're around me and you say something like that she'll blurt it out really loud so i just feel like you need to hear that um i don't know what that means about my parenting i'll let you decide um so again there can be good or bad things that we put our trust in other than jesus but the reality is he's the only thing that truly fulfills us so um i have a slide here i want you to look at just one verse it's, it's John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The, the NIV says it this way, Brent, this is for you. Uh, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So um, real quick, I'm going to break down the ESV NIV real quick, and then we'll dive into it a little bit more. So the NIV says, Jesus has come that we may have life to the full. And at first, um, I'm like, man, this is an incredible translation because it shows full. Like our theme this summer is fulfilled. Like, like it shows that we want to have like a full life. Um, and then as I, as I was thinking about it more and looking at other translations, the ESV actually says that we may have life and have it abundantly. And another word there um, that you could use instead of abundantly is overflowing. So the idea of abundance is that Jesus wants us to not only have a full life, but an overflowing life. So it's actually incredible. Like we're going to see a contrast here between Satan and what Jesus wants in our life, but the two is not even close. So we can take down this slide here for a minute. And then um, uh, I want to unpack this a little bit more. Um, also, just so you guys know, Brent loves NIV, and that's totally fine. We're not going to have a discussion here about translations. Every translation kind of has its place. So maybe another talk this summer, we'll dive into translations. Whatever you have this summer is great. I want you to dive into the Bible. But both of them get this idea right. Like um, the difference between what Satan wants for life and the difference between what Jesus wants are completely different. Um, and I want to try to illustrate it, um, illustrate it like this. So actually this summer... Um, Again, this is just by way of a little bit of confession, but Nikki and I got a pool. And by got a pool, I mean, we got, it was definitely an impulse buy and uh, it's kind of a semi janky above ground pool, okay? So we've never had a pool before, but we're like, if we can't be in South Carolina, we're gonna get wet, we're gonna be in the pool. That's just what it is. So, um, well, anyways, the first pool we got, yes, I said first pool, cause we actually had multiple pools in this process was a 12 foot pool, 12 foot round pool. But they said it was a 15 foot pool, round pool, 42 inches. It was actually a 12 foot pool and only 30 inches deep. So it's like just above your knees. Like this is like an Eden pool, not like a Reed and Nikki pool. And what we wanted was a Reed and Nikki pool. Um, anyways, not only was the 12 foot pool not what we wanted as far as size and everything, it actually came with holes in it. So when we set it up, it was leaking. So like, um, so just sticking with the pool analogy, which by the way, we got a bigger pool and it's awesome if you wanna come over, check it out and it doesn't have holes. So that story got better, but sticking with the pool analogy here, if we just think about this passage and if you think about your life like a pool. 
So we'll start with the first part of that verse. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So what Satan actually wants to do is he wants to steal. So if you picture your life as a full pool, Satan wants to take water out of your pool. And not only does he want to take water out of your pool, he wants to kill your pool. Like he wants to uh, uh, steal, kill, and destroy. So he actually wants to like poke holes in it and empty it to the bottom. He wants you to have an empty pool. And it's like, what fun is an empty pool? Like an empty pool isn't what you want. And then if you take the flip of that, Jesus said, but I have came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants your pool to overflow. Like picture an infinity pool, like running off your roof in your pool, overflowing into whatever you got. Like that's what Jesus wants. He wants your life to be overflowing with goodness. And I think when I, I thought about it like that, not just the pool thing, but that Jesus wants our life to be overflowing. He wants us to have a full and abundant life. It's just incredible that contrast. Like when you read a verse like that, it should make your heart want those things. And it's found in Jesus. And um, another passage that talks about this in a similar way, you can just write this down. I'll read it quick. Psalm 1611 says this, you make known to me the path of life in your presence and is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Again, there are three incredible phrases in this passage, but God wants us to have the path of life. He wants us to have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Like all those things sound amazing and they're found in God, specifically in the person and work of Jesus Christ, which we're going to unpack more in greater detail this summer. But fulfillment can only be found in Jesus. So when we think about all those other things, it's not like we think like family's bad or TV's bad or your phone is bad. Not exactly. But um, if you look to those things other than Christ or get the order wrong, it's not going to satisfy you because it never was meant or designed to. Only Jesus was. Um, I want to just read one more passage and just listen to this passage. Again, let these words kind of like rinse over you. But this is an incredible passage as you think about God wanting us to be fulfilled. So this is from Isaiah 53, 1 through 3. Again, you don't need to to flip there. Just listen to this because this is like, again, a mind-blowing passage of what um, God wants for us. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? and labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen diligent to me and eat what is good. Delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So again, just an incredible passage, like the idea of coming to Jesus, being satisfied in Jesus, um, Instead of laboring for the things which cannot satisfy, we want to labor for that which lasts, things that matter, that we can actually be fulfilled, which all those realities happen in Christ. So again, the first point, Jesus fulfills all of Scripture. Second point, we can only be fulfilled in Jesus. There is no other way. It's only in Jesus. And finally, Jesus, um, Jesus will be our final fulfillment. Jesus will be our final fulfillment. So uh, 
again, all of these are like big points in the Bible that I'm like breezing through. And even as I talk about this, I'm like, gosh, there's so much more that could be said. But this point, especially, um, you might be sitting there and think like, how do we reconcile the brokenness in our world, the sin, um, everything that's going on, even during this last season, these last couple months. I mean, you could argue like the brokenness in our world right now, like that's clearly coming to the light. You could probably have experienced even being at home and with your family, the brokenness that's there. And hopefully even personally, you've seen more of your sin these last couple months. Um, there's this term that theology or theologians use called already, but not yet. Um, and that's kind of the, the reality I want to unpack right here is already, but not yet. So if you think about George Floyd, even just more recently, Richard Brooks, COVID sickness, our families, sin in our own hearts. Um, there was a counselor that has spoken a lot to our team. And I just love this phrase he uses, but he says that any story interrupted would be a tragedy. So if you were to hit stop or pause at like the worst part in a movie, um, it would be a tragedy. Like most stories don't end that way. Um, and that's kind of the idea that we're getting at. Like, how do you reconcile, like even here and now, there is brokenness, there is sin. And you just talked about fulfillment. Jesus is going to fulfilling it. And now one day he's going to fulfill it. Like, how do we think about these realities? Um, so I have one final clip for you guys. And before we go to it, I, I want to, I guess, set it up a little bit. So I think many of you have probably seen this video, but I want to really land what I just said a few sentences ago, but this is from the movie up. So if you've seen this movie, literally like the worst five minutes ever in a movie. And I'm not going to show you the first five minutes, but just watch this clip and you'll understand this is exactly what I mean. And it's hard to watch. I'm just going to tell you, even though it's animated, but just watch. All right. So <clears throat> it, it, again, the clip actually goes on and it's like five minutes of that to intro this story and up. And it's hard to watch, but the reality is up in the first five minutes, really summarizes what it looks like to live on earth this side of heaven. Um, there are points in that video where it's really happy, like at their wedding and you see the different family dynamics. It's like, that was incredible. And then when you see them get excited about having a baby and they can't, and you're like, oh gosh, that's, that's terrible. And like, you want to cry. And it's like an animated movie. And, and yet it clearly depicts like, this is real life. These are the tensions we feel of life and death and good things and hard things and spoiler alert his wife dies um and then that's what where the rest of the movie continues but again if we just hit stop when the tree falls on the house you're like man like why did you show us that that's like a terrible movie and a terrible clip like what's going on and again this is what that counselor was getting at but if you hit pause or stop on any story at the wrong time um it would be a tragedy and the reality is, um, when we think about our lives, this is the already, but not yet. Like God is still working, still working in us and he's not done. Um, so I know some of you guys out there probably, well, I guess I could do like a quick, like raise of hands. How many of you guys out there enjoy Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings people out there. Okay. How many of you guys out there that maybe enjoy Lord of the Rings? Uh, have read the books, not just watched the movies. Raise your hand. It's okay. In all honesty, I actually haven't read the books, but there's actually a scene that takes place in the book 
That's really powerful, and they didn't put it in the movie, which I was super mad about because I really wanted to show this clip, but then I realized um, <clears throat> it's actually a quote. So um, this, again, gets at this idea that we're talking about. Um, so just listen. Um, I'm actually quoting to set up the context and then the quote from the movie. So if you don't know the idea of Lord of the Rings, I'm really sorry. You really should. But um, I think you'll get the idea from the quote. Like You don't need like a big picture idea of the story, and I could unpack it all but we'll talk later if you really want to watch it or have a watch party some other time but this is what he said hard times only come for a season and they will pass and the joy that comes in its place will somehow be fueled by the tears tolkien depicts it through two characters in lord of the rings frodo and sam they're walking through the land of darkness and despair ravaged and worn down they are headed down on a quest that seems doomed at one point, Sam looks up and notices a momentary break in the foreboding clouds to sky, a star beyond, and realizes that something keeps him pressing during the journey. There's a light, a high beauty forever beyond the reach of shadow. Sometime later, after the quest is over, the gloom is lifted. He wrestles to understand the newfound joy that they are all experiencing and asks Gandalf, Will everything sad become untrue? And that quote is incredibly profound, and they don't put it in the movie, and I don't know why. But will everything sad become untrue? And that's a really good question. And I think as Christians, we should ask that question. Will everything sad be untrue? Um, and I guess I would ask you guys, like, obviously, you don't need to unmute yourself and verbally respond. But as you think through that question, how would you respond? If you had to answer that question, will everything sad become untrue, what would you say? And I think we get an incredible answer in the Bible, and it's a resounding yes. Will everything sad become untrue? Yes. Um, so if you want to flip to this passage, this is where we're going to end. But it's in Revelation 21. So Revelation 21, 3 through 5 says this. <clears throat> And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He is dwelling with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated at the throne, behold, I am making all things new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And so this, this passage is really clear, but that we know the end of the story. In the end of the story, Jesus is coming back to make all things new. Will all the sad things become untrue? The answer to that question is yes. We're going to get new heavens, new earth. Like no more tears, no more crying, no more sadness. Um, we get this future fulfillment that's coming in Christ. So you take whatever that movie made you feel or whatever you're thinking in this moment that um, as you think about your current life situation or what you're walking through, um, or maybe the thing in your life, you're like, why do I have to deal with this? Why am I thinking about this? Why do I struggle with this? Why does, and you fill in the blank, why does my family have to deal with this? Why did this have to happen? When you're asking those questions, and those are good questions, by the way, to ask and wrestle with, um, the story doesn't end there. 
um, one day everything will be made new. And that's an incredible future promise we get that's fulfilled. It's going to be fulfilled. God wrote it. And even uh, let me encourage you real quick from the passage this morning. So in Numbers uh, 23, 19 this morning, it talks about God's character. And basically, uh, again, a little bit of a spoiler alert. Sorry if you haven't looked at it today. Um, but still look at it. It's, it's a good passage. But in that passage, you realize that God's character is unchanging. And if God's character is unchanging, that means we can take him at his word. And if we can take God at his word, that means even his future promises are as good as true. So even if we know that God can't lie, God is faithful, God is unchanging, and we look to a future promise like Revelation 21, it's a reality that's going to happen and we can bank on it. We have hope in it. Even you can look at your own life and how God's been faithful to you in your life as evidence that God isn't going to change. God is with us. And one day, he is going to right every wrong. He is going to wipe away every tear. There will be no more pain, no more sadness, no more death, no more crying. All the brokenness this world has, the worst parts, are going to be brand new. Um, and again, we can look to that promise in the future, his future grace. That's going to happen. Um, so in the midst of big picture, our current circumstance in Minneapolis, um, even can look at um, the COVID situation. We can look at situation in our family and even internally to what's going on in our own life. And we can say, God's not done. He's not done. Like he's still working on us um, and he's going to continue this. So Jesus is the fulfillment of scripture. Jesus is the only thing that fulfills us. And one day Jesus is going to have a final fulfillment and it's going to change everything. So I hope this gets you excited about where we're going this summer. And at the same time, this only scratches the surface for where we're going this summer. So let me pray. And then I want to give you guys some direction. We have some questions for you guys to process a little bit and we'll play some music. Um, I'll explain that in a second. Let me pray. Got it. It's, it's crazy to think um, about who you are, that all the promises in the Bible are fulfilled in you, that every page of the Bible is about you. And one day you're going to return to make everything new. And God, we can bank on those promises in the good and the bad and the ugly, that you are with us, that you are working, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And one day you're going to make all things new. So God, I pray that this summer you'd help us understand this reality of what it means that you fulfilled everything and how that changes our lives, how it changes them now and how it'll change them forever. So God, would you work in big ways this summer? We pray and ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from the 2020 Virtual Leadership Project, hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please do not charge for, edit, or alter the message in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.